Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Amazing. Okay, here we go. We are still in our What Three Words series. Um, we're going to be looking at three particular words this evening. In fact, I was going to do a little tease and try and get you to, I can't, I just haven't got the emotional energy to work through some kind of tease before we get to what we're doing today. We're looking at being with Jesus, being with Jesus. So if you have your Bibles with your devices, it's Acts chapter 4, we're going to read some scripture. It's always amazing to read the Bible together. Acts chapter 4. <laughs> if you don't, it's okay. It'll be up on the screen, and I'm going to read it to you anyway, so that's okay. Acts chapter 4. It says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. It's just kicking off. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. That is amazing. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name do you, did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but when God raised from the dead, this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. There was something about the things that they said, the way that they behaved, the way that they responded to life, the way that they responded to their circumstances that communicated to these high officials, these educated scholars, these people in high positions, it communicated to them that these boys had been with Jesus. I'm going to ask us lots of questions this evening, and some of, some of the questions you might find a little bit awkward, but that's okay, because sometimes when we ask ourselves awkward questions, we have to deal with the awkwardness of the question, and we have to come up with an answer, and I want us to be able to, in our own lives, to come up with answers to some awkward questions this, this evening. But before we talk about being with Jesus, I just want to define what that means, because, and here's the key. We have to be intentional about this. 
We have to be intentional about this. In Mark chapter 5, one of my favorite passages, which I say about every passage I talk about, Mark chapter 5, definitely one of my favorite passages, there's the story of the woman with an issue of blood. She is bleeding. She has spent all her money on doctors. She can't get relief. She can't get healing. She can't get any kind of cure for her condition. And she determines in her own mind if I can just touch the edge of the cloak that Jesus is wearing, if I can just do that, I will be well. And so you know the story. You may not know the story. She pushes through the crowd, which was illegal for a woman who was bleeding. She pushes through the crowd. She touches Jesus, and she is healed. Now, she has a story. She is healed. She can say, I have been with Jesus. I encountered Jesus, and he's made a difference in my life. But here's the thing. Jesus was in a crowd. In fact, it says in Mark chapter 5, he was in a crowd and they were pressing against him. So there were lots of other people who were touching Jesus. But this woman is the woman who got healed. Why? Because she touched Jesus? No, because she touched Jesus intentionally. She reached out in faith intentionally. And I think we can come to a gathering like this and we sing songs together and that was great this evening and people share stuff and it's great. And what we're doing is we're in a place where we're bumping into Jesus because he's here. We are bumping into Jesus. But actually, if things are going to change in us, we need to intentionally reach out and touch him. There needs to be some intention in our hearts. There needs to be some deliberation, some I am going to connect with Jesus today in some way rather than just allowing him to bump into me and I feel good and it gets a little tingle, and that's great, and then I go home, and I wait for next Sunday. That's not what it's about. For us to be able to say that we have been with Jesus, we need to intentionally reach out to touch Him. <coughs> so imagine this scenario, and I'm making this scenario up. I'm just saying that, I'm very clear. But imagine this scenario, that somehow you're transported back to Jerusalem, and uh, it is around about the time of Jesus. And you're in the marketplace, and uh, you're just buying some stuff. And you overhear two people talking. And one of them says, I bought a chair. I bought a chair from that Jesus. It is shocking. The legs, the legs are not the same length. When I sit on it, it wobbles. The back creaks. It is a terrible chair. Can you imagine that conversation? No, because you cannot imagine that Jesus would make something that was shonky. You just can't imagine it, can you? In fact, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus went around doing good. Jesus went around doing good. He created quality stuff. I mean, look around the room. He made us all. He created quality stuff. Whether you believe that about yourself or not, he created quality stuff. So here's the question I want to ask is, awkward question number one. Do your actions communicate that you have been with Jesus? Do your actions communicate that you have been with Jesus? How you approach life, the things that you get involved in, the things that you actually do, do those things communicate that you have been with Jesus. The things you say yes to and the things you say no to, does that communicate that you have been with Jesus? Just this evening, I was sat there and in my mind, I was transported back to when I was 
a teenager sat outside my high school. And I'd been a Christian for very long. And a bunch of lads were sat outside the high school. Uh, at the current, must have been lunchtime because I wouldn't have wasted any time sitting there instead of going home. So it would have been lunchtime. And, uh, and a girl walked past on the street. <coughs> and some of the guys knew this girl. And so they started to shout things at her. Not very nice things. They started to shout things at this girl. And they were finding it hilarious. And I had just recently become a Christian. And I decided, this, I'm not getting involved in this. This is not good. This is nonsense. So didn't engage at all. So they're saying things to this girl. She turns around to see who's shouting all of these things at her. And they all duck down behind the wall to hide. Now, I haven't said anything wrong. And I've determined that I would not engage in this conversation. So I didn't hide because I had nothing to hide. So people are saying mean things. She turns around and I am the only face that she sees. So she turns around to walk off. They pop back up, start shouting stuff. She turns around, they duck down. It's just me again with my holier than thou face. I'm not doing anything because I felt my actions were important. The next day, uh, her sister bumped into me, and we had a very long conversation that didn't go very well. There was a lot of words said, and none of them were mine. <coughs> in fact, there was a lot of words said very loudly and very quickly and in my face. Um, so I tried to explain. I had nothing to do with it. But I didn't have a leg to stand on, really, because she could clearly see that I was there. But my actions, I tried with my actions to match it up to the decision that I had made to follow Jesus. I could have been better. I could have reprimanded my friends. Could have done that. Probably would do that today. But I was still learning. <laughs> I was still young. But what do our actions say about whether we've been with Jesus or not? Let me ask you this question. Going back to the scenario with Jesus and the chairs that I made up. It's not in the scriptures. How would people comment on the quality of your work in your job? What would people say about the quality of your work? Does the quality of your work reflect that you have been with Jesus? Or is it shoddy? Is it a shonky chair with legs that don't match and a back that creaks? Do you have a that'll do kind of attitude? Or this is my job, but this little bit here is not my job, so I am not doing that. Sometimes there's a place for that kind of thing. But... Does the quality of your work reflect that you have been with Jesus? In Matthew 26 is the narrative of Jesus' arrest. Now, before Jesus gets arrested, he has a conversation with Peter. And he says, Peter, listen, before this night is over, you're going to deny me three times. That is going to happen. Peter says, no, it's never going to happen. You're going to deny me three times. It's never going to happen. And then Jesus says, before the cockerel crows three times, you, before the cockerel crows, you will have denied me three times. Peter says, no, it's never going to happen. In fact, let's not be beating Peter up because all of the other disciples also said, oh, not us, Lord, we would never do that. So Jesus gets arrested. Peter somehow gets himself into the courtyard where all of this kind of kangaroo court is going on, where, where Jesus is being tried. And, uh, and people start to notice Peter. And they say some interesting things. So Matthew 26, a servant girl came to him and said, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you're talking about. 
I feel really sad inside reading this because I can imagine myself doing something like this and feeling terrible doing it, but being so scared and so intimidated at the time that I don't know what else to do. But I can imagine Peter being so conflicted. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a cock crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken, and he went outside and wept bitterly. I realized this was a high-pressure situation for him. And I don't think we need to be people who develop a Galilean accent so that we can say, ooh, I've, I've been with Jesus. Now I actually literally sound like him. But I think there's an application for us, and the question is, do we sound like him? Do we sound like Jesus? This clearly wasn't what Peter wanted to hear. He didn't want to be accused. But actually, if someone says to you today or says to me today, you sound like Jesus, I would totally take that as an accolade rather than an accusation because I want to be someone who sounds like Jesus. I don't want to be someone who sounds like Nick. I want to be someone who sounds like Jesus. Do we say the things that Jesus would say? Do the words that come out of our mouth make people think about Jesus? Or do they make people think about us? Or do they make people think terrible, terribly about themselves? We are going on holiday next weekend. Just want you to know that. It's important that you know that. We're going to St. Ives. And uh, one of the first things we'll do the first weekend we're there is inevitably has to be done. Fish and chips has to be done. Yeah. Sorry to do this. People are starting to think about food. I'm sorry. Fish and chips has to happen. Lisa is the, is, the, is the gatherer of fish and chips. That's her job. Now, you may think it's a simple thing to have fish and chips, but generally when there's more than one person having fish and chips, it can get complicated when you get to the chips bit because no one has chips the same. Some people like mayo on their chips. They're crazy. Actually, it's quite nice, to be fair. Some people must have ketchup with their chips. Yeah, Lisa likes vinegar with her chips. And when I say vinegar, I did say it to her once, Lisa, seriously, just ask them for a bottle of vinegar and a straw because that is what you want. You don't actually want chips, you just want vinegar. So a bottle of vinegar and a straw, you'll be happy. But there is one thing we all agree on, has to have salt. Must have salt. Why? Because salt is good. Salt is good. Salt brings out the flavor, not just in chips, generally in life. Salt brings out the flavor of whatever we add it to. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says this, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. So think about the things that you say. Do they reflect that you have been with Jesus? Do your words taste good to other people? Or do people not want to speak to you because they know that at some point you're going to say something that they don't like? I was sat in a meeting with Dave Aikerman. I'm going to call him out. And uh, we were talking about something, and he used this phrase. He said that, I can't remember what we are talking about, but he says that 
was top notch. And I thought, who says that? Who says top notch? Who says, I think we stopped saying that in the 60s. Who says top notch? And then it dawned on me who says top notch? Lucas Dewhurst. Lucas Dewhurst says top notch. Now, top notch is not something that is in Dave Akerman's vocabulary, I will tell you that, because I've heard him talk. But he sounded like Lucas because he had been with Lucas, and he was under Lucas's influence. I know it's a stretchy point, but let me make the point. We will sound like the people we're with. We will sound like the people we're with. Some of us pick accents up really quickly if we're around people who have a different accent. We will sound like the people we're with. And please help us, Jesus, to be with you enough so that we sound like you. So that when we speak, people can tell that we've been with Jesus. There's a, I'd like to do another what three words from this passage that we looked at in Acts chapter 4. I'm not going to, but I think it's, it's a point worth making. When, the, when the, the high council, as it were, had a conversation with Peter and John, and they heard what Peter and John said, it says, they took note. They took note. Imagine living our lives in a way that demonstrates so well that we have been with Jesus that other people take note. That other people notice. And then I had this thought. We had, we had baptisms last week, and it was amazing to have testimony shared here, and then uh, people were baptized uh, last Sunday night. Really good. Really good for people to say, I have been with Jesus. He's changed my life and made a difference in my life, and I want to follow him through the waters of baptism. But imagine, and I were not, I'm not suggesting this for a moment, but imagine if it was a little bit different. Imagine if you wanted to get baptized, that all the people around you who knew you had to stand up and testify about you. Imagine if it was like that. So people who were close to you had to stand up and say, Jesus has made a difference in this person's life, and I have seen it. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be interesting? Wouldn't it be also interesting if they then had to give regular updates So this person has been baptized. They've been baptized last year. I'm just, I'm just here today to give you an update on how well they've been walking with Jesus. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? And we won't be doing that. Yeah, I'm just saying. We won't be doing that. But the question that, that kind of stirs, that stirs in me is, God, am I living in a consistent way that shows that I have been with you? It's not... It's not that we can ask, I could ask any of you, do you think I've been with Jesus? The truth is, most of you see me once a week. It's my wife and my children who would be able to answer that question. And I don't think that they would always say, yes. I don't. Because sometimes I'm grumpy. And sometimes I'm snappy. And sometimes I'm not very kind. And my words aren't very kind. And I know that those are times that I am not demonstrating that I have been with Jesus probably because that day I have not been with Jesus. Let's be honest. But I want to live a consistent life, and I hope that they would be able to say, in fact, I'm quite sure, they'd be able to say that consistently there is evidence in my life that I have been 
with Jesus. I mean, if they can't, then we've got a problem, and we'll have to talk about that. Not now. Another day. Can others tell that you have been with Jesus? I want to end with this thought. When the children of Israel crossed the River Jordan, when they got to the other side, I mean, it was an amazing thing that they they stepped into the River Jordan, the waters piled up, a little bit reminiscent of when they crossed over the Red Sea, really. The waters piled up, and all of the children of Israel were able to cross this fast-flowing river on on dry land, amazing miracle. When they got to the other side, Joshua said, what you guys need to do is you need to get some stones and make a big pile, 12 stones specifically, make a pile on the other side of the river. The reason for that was, if anybody came across these stones, why are these stones piled up here? They would ask the question, what what are these stones all about? And it was an opportunity to say, let me tell you what God did. That's why they were there. It was a marker. It was a significant marker of a moment that God did something incredible. And the idea of marking places with stones is is something that was kind of an ancient thing. It wasn't just the children of Israel who were doing it. Other nations were doing this as well. They would use stones to mark significant places. They were called standing stones. And some people would call them living stones. And some people think, some commentators think, that when Peter, the same guy who, you know, denied Jesus three times, this same guy who chopped that servant's ear off, this same guy, when he writes a letter, they think that he has these stones in mind when he says this in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 5. He says, you also, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And the reason they think that that he has this picture in mind of these living stones, of this kind of monument, this significant thing that, that God did something, is because later on, he tells them how to live. In verse 11 and 12, he says, Dear friends, I urge you, same chapter, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live such good lives. Wherever you are, live such good lives that God will be glorified. I think Peter is, is here is encouraging the readers and encouraging us, and this is what I, leave, I want to leave us with tonight, that we are living stones. That we live in such a way that people see us and say, what happened here? And we have an opportunity to say, let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you what God did. Something did happen here in me. Let me tell you what God did. And so if we want to be people who have been with Jesus, we need to be with Jesus. It's very simple. If we want to have been with Jesus, we need to be with Jesus now. And whatever that means for you, I could give you a big list of things to do. Whatever that means for you, I am pretty sure the Holy Spirit is just pointing something out to you in this room as we share together this evening. Do your actions communicate that you have been with Jesus? Do you sound like him?
can others tell that you have been with Jesus? Are you a living stone marking a spot so that when others see it, they will ask the question, what happened here? What did God do? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your presence in this room right now. I thank you for the challenge that your word is to us. And Lord, we know that we mess up from time to time. Sometimes our words aren't great. Sometimes our actions aren't great. And uh, we don't want to live under condemnation, Lord. But we do want you to help us to live consistent lives. That when, we, when people look at us, they will see that we have been with you. That there is that sense that we have been in your presence, that we sound like you, that we behave like you, that we love like you, that we serve like you, that we carry your presence with us. And so, Lord, for each of us, whether we've known you for 50 years or for five minutes, I pray in Jesus' name that you will put a hunger in us for everything that you have for us. I pray that you cause us to be salt and light wherever we are. And that we will be so hungry for you, Lord, that there will be a continual flow of your presence into us and out of us. That it will be so evident that we are with you. Not just have been with you, but are continually with you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.